Hello everyone, welcome to MediVet Roundtable, hosted by MediVet Biologics, the world leader in veterinary regenerative medicine. Listen in to our monthly installments for the latest on veterinary stem cell research and expert analyses from some of the best vets in the industry. Enjoy! Um, the, the, the evidence is coming forward. Uh, I just reviewed an article. This was a, an article, it's a 2019 article. Um, that it was some Japanese researchers, and this was in a rat study, <clears throat> and it was in shoulders, where they induced arthritis in the shoulders, and they could take and look at the at the uh, dorsal horn of the of the um, spinal column at C6, which is where these nerves. From the shoulder, get into the get into the dorsal horn of the of the spine, and they could stain them. I think it's a calmodulin calmodulin uh, receptor um, that they could monitor. They could stain for it, and that is upregulated in pain. And what they found was that on untreated untreated rats with the shoulder with shoulder pain. This is from arthritis of the shoulder. At that level, they could see evidence of, of pain by these receptors lighting up. When they used stem cells on, on these rats, there was a marked decrease in this pain marker. The importance of that is that is the, that is the primary site where um, pain is upregulated and becomes that, you know, they talk about upramping pain, this chronic pain and how it, it uh, just keeps wearing on you. That was pretty strong evidence that stem cells have a very positive effect on ramping down that pain. This was on an acute arthritis, not so much on, an, on a chronic that we're looking at, but it just goes to point out that in a lot of cases, and some of the other research that's coming up now is um, the use of stem cells early in the course of arthritis may be very beneficial before we have all the negative effects to the cartilage as far as the generation of the cartilage. Looking for these younger dogs before they really start developing this, this really gnarly looking radiographic evidence of, of arthritis, <clears throat> of how we could benefit these, uh, these animals by taking, collecting fat, using stem cells on these animals when they're younger preserving that cartilage, preserving, preserving the, the structure of, the, of these joints, retreating as we need to. And uh, a lot of times we see a probably higher yields of stem cells on young animals than we do on older animals. So there is some evidence that's accumulating for the, the benefit for, for pain. So we're seeing that always before we'd always thought that it had been we're reducing the inflammation. We've got all of these cytokines, these chemokines uh, in this stromal vascular fraction that's going into these uh, joints that are down, down regulating this inflammation. That's part of it too. But we're seeing a central effect where we can go ahead and de-stimulate some, uh, some of this central pain stimulation. But just wanted to throw that out there as far as there is more and more research. So from the medical standpoint, we're seeing 
where you now if people are looking for evidence we're having more and more evidence that we can that we can cite for them so it's an exciting time to be involved with stem cells and the use of stem cells and with that little tirade i'll i'll open it up does anybody have any any questions or comments um any problems like i've <laughs> done a couple 300 cases been involved with them with uh, dogs cats horses um, burrows, um, kangaroos, bears, um, use of them. So I'd, I'd be glad to help anybody out. It's, uh, I'm really excited about this um, technology. I've been involved since, I've been involved since 2010 um, and uh, was so excited about, about it that I'm back in school now. Uh, trying to learn how stem cells work and how we can improve the the uh, the technology to where it will help even more animals so does anybody have any questions or comments or if you want if you want to Dylan if there's a question we'll start out with that I I don't know if if Dr. Maurer or um, uh, Dr. England is going to be on tonight but certainly um, we'll kind of if there's any anything we can help people with yeah, yeah, sure. And I actually have a few questions here for you. Um, but everybody, don't be shy. If you have any, any questions or any case, anything related to cases, uh, just go ahead and send that in via the chat or hit star six to unmute yourself. Um, and kind of going off what you were talking about, uh, Dr. Snyder, uh, just, just with regards to younger and older animals specifically, this is actually a question that I've gotten. And it's our younger stem cells better than adult stem cells? Does I, that make any difference in terms of yield or quality? We haven't seen, clinically it should, there should be a difference between, between stem cells from an old dog and stem cells from a young dog as far as the, as far as the differentiation potential, okay? Clinically, I don't know if we're seeing that. Certainly yield, yield-wise we're seeing tend to with young dogs you see a, a little higher yield than you do with old dogs as far as per gram of fat but the activity of those cells i haven't noticed a big difference clinically um, between between a, a young dog has a much more profound effect than an older dog i i haven't seen that clinically and i i don't think i've talked to anyone that's noted that either um, when um, dr mike's been on and we've talked about that i don't think he's uh made that association either. So from, from the standpoint, I think yield, and if we're looking at getting um, a harvest to where we can store uh, stem cells, you'd certainly like to go ahead and, uh, and get them from a younger animal. Number one, the surgery is a, a lot easier and uh, they can get that. I, I don't know, is, is Medivet still doing the, uh, the uh, spay neuter? Yes, we are. Yes. Okay. Yes, we are. So that's an that's an excellent time while you're while they're being spayed or while they're being neutered. Get some fat, send a process it or send it in for the to have the stem cells banked on these on these animals. We've done some of them in our clinic. It's it's interesting. It's it's like money in the bank. It may be six years, eight years before they need them, but it's uh the the owners seem to look at it as as a uh, um, a down payment on the future health of their animal, so they they like that a great deal. But that that is a 
long-winded answer to the question, Dylan. I, I hope we hope we touched on it. <laughs> yeah, 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 certainly, certainly. I appreciate that. Um, another question I wanted to ask you, Dr. Snyder, and it's just with all of your years of experience in using this technology and using these treatments, I was wondering what your most memorable case to date was. <laughs> I think, I, oh gosh, doing a kangaroo, I'd never been involved with a kangaroo. Uh, where do you find fat on a kangaroo? Well, we learned. Um, I, th I think one of the more memorable ones was we did an 18-year-old German short hair. And the owner, he, she's a German, she's a German lady, very broken English, but she really loves her dogs. <clears throat> and Coco was a Coco was an 18-year-old, still a pretty active dog. Um, certainly, you could use the radiographs on Coco for illustration of arthritis, because, like most 18-year-old dogs, there was arthritis everywhere. We uh, collected, we used a small kit on Coco because I'm an 18 year old. We figured what are the chances we're going to use um, any bank cells. So we did, a, we did a 20 gram kit. We used all the cells on the dog. The Coco did great. Um, she was taking two mile, she was going on two mile walks every day with her. It's um, incredible. My, my short sightedness, I guess, or my anticipation of things was at 18, what are the odds she's going to be around to use another dose? Sure enough, uh, the next year, the dog's 19, and and Kirsten's wanting to repeat the stem cells on her dog at 19. The dog had done so well for the previous year, and we had not banked cells. Would you believe me if I, I told you I, I knew you were going to reference that case, Dr. Snyder? <laughs> I, I, mean, I that is such a that's such a cool an 18 year old 18 year old dog and everybody goes you know well is a 10 year old dog too old to do stem cells is a 12 year old dog too old to do stem cells no evidently an 18 year old wasn't wasn't too old to not only do stem cells but to bank cells on the dog which is which is just crazy but yeah Coco Coco is uh, uh, always will be a a very very special dog, but that's the most that's the most memorable case, Dylan. And that's really interesting, and I love to hear just how big of an impact the treatments can make in animals' lives. And I actually have a example that I always like to go back to is back when I was interning here at Medivet in 2015. I was in I was a college freshman at the time, and I was do, actually doing calls out to pet owners and just seeing if the treat, how the treatment was working, if they were satisfied, et cetera. Sure. And I got this lady on the phone and she was telling me about her little Yorkie and about how she loved it so much, used to go on walks with it every day. And it was actually, you know, somebody that kept her company after her husband just passed away. One of her favorite things to do was to go on walks with this dog. Well, this dog got very severe arthritis in its hips and got to the point where it couldn't even get up out of the bed. And so she did the stem cell treatment. And within a matter of weeks, the dog was back up and she was able to take her walks with it again. And just a story like that, it just warms my heart to just see how this can affect people's lives and really, really, you know, enhance the quality of life, so to speak, for the pet and for the pet owner. So how much was that worth to that lady, Dylan? It's priceless. Yep. I mean, exactly. How much, how much is it worth to these owners? And you'll hear, I mean, the technology is not inexpensive. 
We all get that. We all know that. But trying to read read the value of someone's pet or trying to anticipate how much something is worth and trying to judge what we offer to them based on what we sense their their value of that pet is, is grossly unfair to the, to the dog and to the owner both. I know Josh, Josh and I have talked about we had a dog, a little dachshund that came in with torn shit and back back disease, IVDD, on the dog. And I did I honestly did not feel that they could afford anything near what what stem cells would cost. And as a, a, a course of thoroughness, you know, we we discussed the options. We could do supplements, we can do the NSAIDs, we all the things we can do for that dog, and we mentioned stem cells. Well, we'll talk more about stem cells. Fine. So we we went ahead and discussed stem cells. I thought well, those are good for me, it was a good opportunity just to talk about stem cells. As people can tell, I enjoy talking about the technology. And we talked about it and what I thought it could do and how I thought it could help Rusty. Lo and behold, they they had the money to do the procedure. And they did the procedure and the dog did great. And they were very they were very happy. So I guess bottom bottom line, it's awfully difficult to to read the check their owner or how much they're willing to to take and and uh, I hate to say sacrifice because I'm pretty sure that these folks had savings but to to take care of their pets so it's always one to where even though I don't think that it's it's something that uh, they would the owner would be interested in at the time I at least put it out there and let them make the decision and I think that's what that's one of the things you were talking about with the with the people with the, the lady with the Yorkie um, yeah, what you know, maybe it was a very easy decision for her. Maybe it was a very difficult decision. Certainly, in retrospect, I don't think there. I don't think there was anything. Uh, I don't think she would have done anything differently from what you're describing. Right, and, that, and that's a really good point, uh, Dr. Snyder. And you know, one question that we get frequently is is how to overcome these these price point objectives that pet owners have when they come into the clinic, when they come into the practice, when you. When you pitch them, you give them all the information they need, and there's still that price point, of, uh, you know, objection and obstacle that you have to get over. Of What's course. been probably your your most successful strategy in, in in getting over those obstacles? You know, the the big thing is it's it's not, you know, someone can't afford it, someone can't afford it, but it's also that that kind of that I hate to call it a trigger point, but it's it's almost like, you know we can all find the money to do things that we really want to do. We can all find that extra, that extra money or find a family member or find someone, some way, somehow to get something that we really think is for the, for the best of our, of our friend. Um, that, that's the thing of where you don't rule it out automatically. I mean, if I'm talking to someone and, I will take and start talking about nutraceuticals. Okay, we've got glucosamine, we've got chondroit, we've got fish oil, we've got all of the other herbal herbal treatments. We've got NSAIDs, we've got all of the NSAIDs we can use. We can talk about diet, exercise. We can talk about, about trying to rehab these, these injuries. We also, at that same time we're talking about these options, we also talk about stem cells. If they don't do stem cells, if they elect to do one of the others, you've at least planted the seed in the back of their mind that 
here's something else we can do. It's going to be more expensive, but there's a good chance that, that it's going to have some very positive effect. And even though you haven't sold them on it, if that's what you want to, what you want to call it, you haven't sold it on, sold them on it at that time, you've at least put it in the back of their mind. And it's also one of those to where even if they don't do that animal, most people have other animals. And maybe later on, years down the line, when they have another animal and maybe their financial circumstances are a little different that time, they still have that in their mind. So it's, it's, a, it's a matter of investing, um, kind of putting, their, putting it in their mind to invest in the future. So uh, a lot of it, I'll, I'll pitch stem cells that's what we want to call it. I'll pitch stem cells to anyone and I'll tell them what I, what I feel about it. And as a veterinarian, most, most veterinarians, and I think all veterinarians have a bond with their owners and that owner trust what they say or what their opinion is. If, if I tell my clients that stem cells are the best thing we can do for your animals. I feel I feel strong. I feel I feel sincerely that this is going to help. Um, I will work with them. I'll I'll try to do anything we can to make sure that this is successful. Most owners respect my opinion, and they respect their veterinarian's opinion. So I think a lot of it is if the veterinarian feels comfortable and feels strongly about it, it comes across to that owner. So that it it. It's kind of, I guess, maybe selling the owner and selling yourself at the same time, Dylan. So sure. there's some, like, like I said, probably. It's all about, it's all about building that rapport at the end of the day, right? Building that rapport and, and then giving that owner a chance. And maybe they don't want, maybe, maybe they want to take and use PRP because that's one of the options that I'll do. We can, use, we can do PRP on the animal. We can see how they respond. If they respond well and it doesn't last as long as you want to, we can always do stem cells later. So I'm, I'm, I'm planting the seeds for stem cells down the, down the line. And I think that's what we're, that's what, you know, as a profession, like Dr. Mike talks about it as, as it is a tool in your toolkit. It's one thing we can use uh, everybody has their favorite tool. Mine happens to be stem cells. So we take and we try to, we try to, um, uh, hate to say push that tool, but it's one of the ones to where I will have a conversation with animals with arthritis or, or um, small breed puppies. Now we're, now we really talk to these, these owners uh, that have these large breed, well, in fact, for the matter, any puppies as far as getting insurance on these puppies. There are insurance companies that cover stem cell therapy. As a veterinarian, why don't I take and have these people get the insurance to where when they need stem cells, it'll be covered? And, and a good number know. of those pet insurance companies are covering stem Absolutely. cells. Absolutely. Where they so weren't but take, they weren't, you know, even even a year ago. Yep, right. They're seeing that it they're seeing that it saves them money. They're seeing it makes them money. That's important, and the public is demanding it. Why shouldn't we take and that you know, like you said, a lot of the pushback from clients is the cost. Why don't we hedge that forward by having them get insurance so when they do need the stem cells, and we know most of these large breed dogs are probably going to as they get older, you can guarantee probably, I mean, 
you know, St. Bernard's, the, the Mastiffs, those dogs, you can just about guarantee there's going to be some degree of hip dysplasia. Why not uh, have the people get insurance? They can pay for it as kind of a pay-as-you-go, which fits more the millennial lifestyle so that that way everything is covered when they need it. Insurance, use the, use the insurance. I never have been a big proponent of, a, of insurance until it's like, hey, this, this makes real sense for, uh, for cell therapy, for stem cells. So why not? I'm, I mean, that's one of the ways to get over this price, this price point is be selling it in advance to these people with these uh, with the puppies. Get them, get them to where they're already in line to have it paid for by insurance. Sorry, that's I got on my soapbox there, Dylan. I'm, occasionally I do. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Oh, you're good. You're good. Uh, everybody, if you have any questions, please uh, don't be afraid to type into the chat. Uh, if you're on the phone, at star six, not star nine. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I'd love to hear from you. If you have any case selection questions, any success stories, we'd love to hear some testimonials from anybody, from anybody that has one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anybody, anybody have any cases that they're considering, you know, if considering it's, it used to be, and I know, and, and I've talked about it on the webinar before, when I started in 2010, stem cells were just for arthritis. That's the only thing we thought that they could ever be used for. We've learned a little bit about right now. I consider that we're very close to having stem cells as being the, you know, the, the number one indication for, for cruciate tears on dogs. I think that it's a, I think we're, we're going to in the future have it to be standard of care. Uh, not that the surgeons, want it, but I think we're going to look at it as being standard of care, which may be why these insurance companies are looking at this going, you know, that $2,000 for a stem cell procedure is a lot cheaper than the $10,000 for, you know, a, a, a TPLO or a TTA. So those are some, those are some things that, that may be coming into play. Certainly, like I said, the, the research is is coming forward not only in this is not just veterinary medicine this is on like i was talking about with the pain study this was rats with a pain study um, we're beginning to see more research showing up on how allogenic stem cells which are a little different creature but i think uh, those are from allo what we're dealing with is autologous they're from the same animal allogeneic are from one dog used on many dogs so there's, uh, we're getting away from the autologous, uh, autologous stem cells, but we're going to see some, some research being done on these allogeneic cells. I think we're a long ways away from, from the use of them, but the allogeneic cells, uh, um, drug companies, I think, are looking at that a little more favorably because it, uh, they can have one donor and make millions of doses from that. So I think they're looking at it a little more positively but that's going to be the future. But there's a lot of research that's still coming out to where in humans, the use of autologous, which is what we're doing, being, a, being kind of state of the art. And there used to be the, like I said, in 2010, there were, there were a lot of, of uh, debate between the bone marrow stem cells 
and the fat stem cells. And you had the people where, well, bone marrow stem cells were better, no fat was better. I think pretty well over the course of the past 10 years, pretty well uh, adipose stem cells are probably the, the go-to for most, for most cases. They're a lot more durable, they're easier to harvest, um, and they tend to, to be a little bit more predictable Bone marrow stem cells, I mean, for, for bone marrow transplants are, are fine. Uh, some people think they're a little bit better for bone. Maybe, I don't, I don't think the jury is completely in on those. But anyway, Dylan, just some, just some ramblings here if there's. Yeah. Well, it's really exciting to hear, it's really exciting to hear all of the, all of the momentum that is going into, you know, stem cell therapy just in general and as a whole, you know, veterinary and, uh, and, and human. Um, it's just really exciting to hear, hear all of those developments. Absolutely. There's, you know, it used to be that, uh, you know, the research always started out in the lab. So it always started out in with laboratory investigations and it moved into lab animals and then it moved into, into, uh, um, domestic animals, and then on into humans. Stem cells is pretty well gone directly to animals and humans without and bypassing the, the laboratories. Uh, so now the, the, the research is catching up with all of this momentum that's built and the use, and they're, and they're, validating, they're validating our use of stem cells, which is, which is quite, quite exciting from, uh, from the standpoint of my 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 work in in uh, where I'm going with with my research is more and the exosomes that what stem cells probably produce to get their effect are these little uh, exosomes that are secreted by all the cells. So that's the direction that I'm looking at as far as how the stem cells, the mechanism of how the stem cells actually work, maybe through these. Uh, through these exosomes or microRNA, a lot of other things like that. But if anybody, Dr. Snyder, if uh, if I may just interject really quick, I actually had a question come sure. in on the on the chat machine here. Um, do we have an alternative to fat as a source when you have very thin, small patients, such as a bird? Boy, that's been one that I think Mike had talked about. Um, trying to find fat on a on a bird, well, unless you're talking about a rose-breasted cockatoo, which case those are always obese, or some or some um, uh, cockatiels that can be pretty obese too. But um, Mike had uh, Josh, you may have to help me on this. I think it was this may be 2011, 2012, where Mike had a uh, a proventricular dilatation in a bird, a macaw wasting disease. And he had harvested fat, and I think it was, I think the bird that was being treated was a, uh, um, maybe it was, was it a cockatoo? I'm not sure what kind of bird it was, Dr. Snyder, but, but I, he did treat that case. That bird, I, I don't think he took fat from that bird. I think he collected fat from another bird, if I remember right. Am I, I correct on that? We, we've got a, a vet in, in North Carolina that's also, um, he's, he's a bird doctor only, and, 
and he would use one of the small stem cell kits and, and really um, just process as much tissue as he was able to no, get use that 20 gram kit. Yeah, because it, it's, it's interesting that the amount of fat that you get doesn't really, the, what I'm, where I'm coming from on this is when we were working, we were doing a, a laminitis study with horses, and we had some of these horses that were, that were so fit, we could not find 40 grams of fat. We couldn't find 20 grams of fat on a, some of these horses. We were lucky if we found five grams of fat. The yield of cells from those five grams of fat was pretty close to what we could get from a 20 gram kit. The fat cells are much smaller. The parasites, everything else in that, in that tissue is much smaller. So if you can only get five grams from the bird, okay, go ahead and process. I, in our case, when we had five grams of, of fat, we cut, we went ahead and reduced the processing, the volume of the processing down to be corresponding with the, with the volume we had, which I don't, I know that Medivet hasn't approved that. That's just what we did to take. And if we had a 20, if we had five grams and we know that, that that's a little too, too less for a 20 gram kit. So we may have used half the volumes of everything so we could go ahead and stay within the within the uh, dilutions that we needed for it. And we got good cell yields and we had good results from it. The bird may be one, I think, the, if I'm thinking right on Dr. Mike's, he went ahead and harvested from another bird and it seems like it was an obese conure that he took it from and he felt that the, the bird did well. So that was an allogeneic or actually a xenogenic use of, uh, use of stem cells on that bird. I don't know how frequent, how often I would want to do that, but it's certainly one thing that uh, possible. If I'm not sure if you can't find five grams of fat, you can try to to proportion the uh, the digestion of the fat down to where you can get more in the range of what you need. Uh, I think I would try that. I don't I don't know if the veterinarian in, in North Carolina was doing it that way, Josh, or if he was able to find 20 grams. I know you're not supposed to use, you want to stay pretty close to the to the 15 or 20 grams if you're using a 20 gram kit. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he wasn't able to get the full 20, I don't think, but uh, I think both kits, the 20 and the 40 gram, those enzymes that are being used are able to you know, process up to 20 and up to 40. So yeah. you definitely- I think at the, Originally, we were concerned that it would overdigest. If it was a very small volume, it would it could overdigest the fat and end up with some end up with some problems. That may not be the case. I may be speaking out of term, out of out of uh, what is really going on. But I I thought there were some problems, so we we just proportionally took things down. But it would be up to the it would be up to the person. I don't think Medivet has a policy on that per se, do they, Josh? Uh, not specifically to that, no. Okay, it, it's just something to keep in the back here, keep in the back of your mind. But anyway, it's it it would be one to where I would love to have a um, 
uh, a bird to try that on. We we have not we have not done. Um, I'd love to do them a call um, with the wasting disease or, or actually a lot of these older macaws with arthritis would be a nice case to try. A lot of those have enough fat that you can get. Anyway, Dylan, sorry for the for the long time. Yeah. No, you're good. You're good. Um, I actually had a really interesting question come in to me this week from a technician. It was just in terms of a, a case selection on a dog that had a thrombocytopenia. thrombocytopenia. And they were wondering if uh, we could use stem cell on that, uh, potentially just use PRP as a standalone. want to get your thoughts on that. Sir, boy, that the idiopathic thrombocytopenia can be tough. The, the bad thing is usually when you're presented those, it is a clinical emergency. I mean, you've got a dog that, that's bleeding to death. Um, so you really don't have enough time. And I'm not sure that I would really want to be cutting that dog. I'm not sure I would want to be going after, after fat on a dog with thrombocytopenia and running the risk of having that dog seep forever or too much. Um, we talked, I think we've had that discussion, we've had a discussion before, I think with Mike, and I think when Tom was on too, about going ahead, using your steroids to get the dog at least controlled, to bring the, to go ahead and bring the, um, um, the, the platelet count up, and when they were in the fairly normal range, go ahead and harvest the fat. We know it's an immune-mediated disease. We know we can help. We know we can help these animals with the use of stem cells. We can modulate that immune system. So as far as long-term or long, long-range control, I think you're going to see a lot better results on on these cases using stem cells to try to modulate that immune system. Because a lot of those dogs, once you get them, once you get them stabilized, if you can, there's always the risk that they're going to relapse and and have more problems the next time. That's no matter what you're using to try to regulate them. Now, what about what about if the dog already has some bank cells? I would go ahead. Num number one, you you don't want to let them you don't want to let them bleed to bleed to death. I mean, it depends on how bad a thrombocytopenia you're you're dealing with. To me, I would if they weren't that bad and I could control or felt that I could get by with getting the stem cells into them. I would do that. I wouldn't have any problem going ahead and doing an IV dose, the five to 10 million per kilo, if I could get that into them. Um, certainly always have the, the steroids at the, at the ready. We've seen some of these dogs to where even though we try to stay away from, from steroids, steroid use on those animals, uh, some of the atopy, atopy dogs you almost had to do some steroids on to keep them comfortable, but um, they did seem to still respond. It may be one to where in 30 days you're going to need to repeat the stem cells when they stabilize a little bit. But if they already have them banked, I would go ahead and use them and then fully be ready with the with the steroids if you need to, or try to keep as low a dose to keep them keep them stabilized as you could. Yes, that, that answers my question, Dr. Snyder. Thank you for that. You just get interesting questions like that all the time where people are calling in with these dogs that have these various afflictions and 
they're just wondering if their dog is is a candidate if this dog is, right. is if they're able to if, it, if it's going to work first of all and then and second of all is, is it going to be safe um i would love to say that that it was safe to use on cancer dogs i really do i in in the back of my mind i think i think we could use this on dogs with cancer but no one's done any work on it i don't I think on some types of cancer, it's going to be fine. On other types, not so good. Um, I wish we had the research to. I wish we had the research to know. Could you speak to why we we don't have that research, or why why nobody is <laughs> seeming to try it? Oh, I think I think a lot of it. The research number one is expensive. Um, I mean, you and Medivet's good about. Medivet's been very good about sponsoring research. They sponsored the osteoarthritis research, but we're looking at millions of dollars as far as as uh, um, funding just one type of cancer, you know, to look into one type of cancer. And then you'd have to have enough animals with that type of cancer to enter into the in their, in their, enter into the research. Um, sometimes on like um, when you're looking at research are doing research and it's a rare disease and just trying to come up with enough animals to, to, to populate the study uh, becomes kind of an impossibility. Um, certainly I'd love to, love to get involved with, with these. And I think, you know, most dog owners that would have, a, have an animal with these, uh, with a lot of tumors would be willing to, to uh, um, enter their dog in a trial using stem cells with a chance that they could help or cure their dog. I know Medivet has the the uh, ACV out there, the the cancer vaccine, and that certainly is a is a uh, is a big 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 tool in the battle of battle against cancer. Does that answer? Yeah, yeah, certainly, certainly. Have you, you you've used the you have experience with the the cancer vaccine as well, correct? I have not. I have okay. not. We have okay. we haven't had usually the cases that you'd like to have that you would like to try. Um, it seems like it's always as an afterthought, and we just uh, right now I'm not doing not doing any surgery at all. I'm just uh, pretty well um, doing the medicine and then in school pretty well full time so i would i've heard nothing but uh but good things about it so does anybody uh anybody have any other questions chat me in the group or uh yeah i got a couple six. questions <laughs> yes hi this is ken genova can you hear me hey ken how you doing i'm sure. doing good i talked to you just recently about yeah. a case that's going to be coming in and we're going to be doing the prp treatment on that dog Absolutely, um, the the nice dog you were telling me about. Right. Yeah, and that, <laughs> that nobody can get in there. <laughs> right. Yeah, but, the nice one. The nice one that has limited friends. Right. But I have another one coming in. That's a we did the stem cell about two years ago on elbows. Cool. And um, she came back a year later, started to show some signs. So we did a second stem cell. Right. And both of them had good results after up. I guess would say for about four months, five months. Okay. And then they gradually diminished. And okay. I didn't uh, consider doing the PRP thing like you've mentioned now. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, PRP, PRP becomes your 
becomes very much your friend. Yeah. Well, this one's coming in. She's got another set of bank cells and she's going to, you know, we're going to get them for her and um, do her on Friday. Great. And be, sure and, be sure and, and, and give them the option to where you're pulling PRP anyway to store some of that PRP. And then, you know, in two weeks, a month, if you need to repeat that PRP, give them that little boost, of, give them that little boost of PRP to, to make them comfortable and also to go ahead and nourish those stem cells to go ahead and give help those stem cells out too, Ken. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're we're going to do that on all our stem cells in the future. That's the great. The PRP. I um, think that's a that's a super idea. What what when you mentioned that it's going to become the standard of care for knees? Are you talking about full tears or partial tears? Both. Both. They've had really good luck on the full. I'll, I'll tell you about one of my dogs. I have a um, German Shepherd that's 130 okay. pounds. Uh huh. And we have another one that's younger, and this was uh, two, two and a half years ago. Pulled on one of his legs and tore his cruciate. Sure. So we we did stem cell on him. <laughs> And then about six months later, the other leg the had other the side. same thing happen. And, Very common. Um, That's the, so, yeah, the contralateral, so contralateral leg is just so common on these guys. Yeah, so we did him. And he showed moderate results, but not great results. And after, I would have to say probably 15 months, uh-huh. all of a sudden he started to do fine. Yep. You're, and, you're I mean, taking... He, you're taking, and uh, in fact, some of the human human work on on these guys is um, if they can get the stem cells, they can have up to a centimeter separation. Wow! They will regrow, and they will regrow, and that's work from Colorado. Hmm. That uh, that's Regenex's work. So okay. it's it's one to where it's one to where get it in there. I think, and we've talked about this before, as far as uh, uh, Dr. Rovner's. Um, he's up in Chicago where he was doing the stem cells and then at 14 days, and we talked about that at 14 days, 30 days when the, when the owner's in, if the dog's doing the way, you know, come progressing as he, as he wanted to, he didn't get repeat the PRP. If the dog was not progressing at the rate that he wanted to, he went ahead and used another dose of PRP. Keep the dog comfortable, keep the stem cell nourished, keep everybody progressing. This is also one where we've talked to, to me, I'm very, I'm, I'm super concerned about rehabilitation on these dogs with the cruciate tears, especially, and especially with tearing that contralateral, the contralateral uh, knee. Uh, it, I think we need to be partnering with uh, some, some of these rehabilitation people as far as coming up with a, with a set program and when you know when I talk about exercise on these guys and I know Josh is probably getting tired of hearing me talk about no more than a four foot leash and we want that dog to walking at a pace to where all four limbs are they bear weight on all four limbs so a pace that you control not the dog certainly not on a flexi lead we don't want them out on a flexi lead we want to control that dog and we want to go through a rehabilitation process so we can build the strength of that up. I think so many of these contralateral injuries are because the, the dog you know, gets to where they feel good. They, they, uh, and they overdo it. The, uh, 
they throw all the weight on the other side and then bad things happen. Um, mm-hmm. So I think rehabilitation is going to be a big part of it. But I think that we can, like I said, I, I honestly believe that the rate things are progressing with uh, cruciate tears on, uh, on dogs, I think we're going to see more and more people going to stem cells and rehabilitation. I think there's going to be some real, real positives um, from that. And I think, like I said, I think it, within not too many years, I think you're going to see it being the, the standard of care. Orthopedic surgeons aren't aren't in favor of that. I know. Yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> what um, what are people charging for the PRP repeats? It's it's. I haven't. Gosh, we we try not to try not to talk about or I Money. I don't <laughs> try to. It it's one to where some people use it kind of as a loss leader. They consider it to be part of the of the, uh, the, the treatment, the stem cell treatment. So they're just kind of covering their cost. A lot of it depends on if they've got to sedate the dog and how how technically difficult the joint injection is for them or how comfortable they are with it. I think I've heard some people talk about, you know, for a, for a single injection, I've heard as cheap as $50. I've heard $200, $250. And I, I don't know, Josh or Dylan, I don't know if you heard I'm kind of out of the, out of the pricing thing. Do, do you have any... Any feeling on the on the price of the PRP injections? I think on the PRP, typically, the cost of the kit is one hundred and six dollars. Um, on those initial injections with the the kit being included, between two fifty up to three fifty cost the client, um, and then on frozen PRP, subsequent maybe a hundred or so dollars, $150 per repeat injection. I, I think, I think it'll vary on demographic Dr. Snyder. Yep. I think, and I think that's, that's, it's kind of what the market bears. Like I said, some people use it as, as part, I hate to call it a loss leader, but almost that's part of their stem cell treatment. Some people don't. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, you got to put your time in and everything for the absolutely. ones come, you know, back. Absolutely. And it does take time and you're working with them. Uh, I don't have any, I don't have any problems with, uh, with charging the clients for what you're, for what you're doing fair, a fair fee for what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. But you know, if you can bank it and we can, we know that we can aliquot it and keep it in the freezer for 90 days. So you can aliquot your, your uh, PRP kit and then freeze it and use it without having to collect or do anything else. So that would be a, I think that would be very, very beneficial. Yeah, I I quoted these people that are coming in for the PRP for the hips, uh, three hundred bucks each time we do it. Yeah, you know, and, and, and most of the time they they I think most people will will they they realize yeah they they already invested a, you know twenty five hundred bucks. Yep. So <laughs> and they should and I mean it's just like a it's a refresher. Yeah. Uh, and I think I think that would be be more than more than fair, Ken. I think uh, you know if you can. I know you said that you had two facilities, and and uh, where, did you have any trouble uh, collecting blood and take it down and process it and bring it back frozen? No, he, what we did, we um, he's going to drive down here, okay. and we'll get the blood on his dog and do the PR, make up the PRP, and then inject it while he's here. 
Sounds and good. And then we didn't have to do the transporting back and forth. So. <laughs> hey, real quick, Dr. Genova, I just wanted to, to intro Dr. Bird in real quickly. He, he was just going to give you some more commentary on his cruciate cases he's done. Dr. Oh, Bird, I'm glad to, glad to talk to you again. Anyway, how 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 have you been? How have you been doing on your on your cruciate tears? It sounds like things are really good. Everything has been absolutely amazing. It's uh, 45 years. I've done a lot of extracapsular repairs, and this is the only thing I'll do now. Is it? And every single one of them, it's only 12, but every single one of them has done way better than surgery. And I do pretty much what I would do with surgery. Uh, short leash, you, you pointed out before, four to six feet long, um, five-minute walk three times a day, and that's it. And that's what we always did. Are we coming down there? Before. Do what? I think someone was just talking in the background there, Dr. Bird. Sorry. Uh, okay. And and then gradually increasing as it goes and letting people know that when they first get up, they're going to be a little bit stiff the first few steps, and then they'll get better. And that the stem cells really don't start working until about a month. To two months so it's not overnight but um every single one and i i inject both knees because of my experience right is is yours most all of them are going to blow that second one at some point in time Good. but we, are you following uh, up with any with any prp on those guys if they need to i have not i boosted two of them but that's all we've done i okay. sent josh a video this first dog we ever did and she literally was not able to get up at home for five days. She has a botched ACL surgery from somebody else. That's all I'll say about it. Don't you don't you love those surgeries? That's one of my most hated surgeries anymore. Anyway, I went in, did the best I could. For a year and a half, I had a pretty good. She has severe bilateral hip dysplasia and bilateral medial patellars. Wow. And the right rear leg was operated on four different times, twice by somebody else and twice oh. by myself. But she just sent me a video tonight. I sent Josh that she's able now to go on mile-long walks. Cool. Uh, we did her in April and last year, and then boosted her in August. And she's gotten stronger and stronger. And I extract to go to your initial thing, how do you get people to do this? I agree with you. I just tell people... This is what I do if it's fine, it's what is best and what they need. Yep. Extrapolating from my own experience with my own knee, which I was looking at a knee replacement <laughs> years ago and I hadn't taken any medication for it in probably eight months. Those uh, old dogs us old dogs know a little bit about something. Pretty much. Pretty <laughs> much. But what the, what breed I will treat one and I would encourage anybody who is thinking about it to go ahead and kind of take it on faith and use this. Now, it does not correct the drawer sign, but that's going to stabilize over several months anyway. Um, I saw one today that I had, he's 14, weighs 68 pounds now, and I did his right knee in October, and he said he acts like nothing was ever wrong. There's still a little drawer sign, not like it was, but the dog clinically is totally normal. What breeds? What breeds have you done these on? All mostly large breeds, Doctor Bird. Yeah, I think. Yeah, well, we've done 
Labrador, German Shepherd, uh, Rottweiler, uh, pretty much all breeds. Have we done small dogs? 30 pounds. Yeah, I did a cocker. Uh, no, I did a poodle. I did do a, a miniature poodle. He weighed about 15. Yeah. That's a, um, but Sounds like in your hands, this is getting to be standard of care. It absolutely is. And the other thing I've started doing is I go through just a little practice tip. I was trying to go medial lateral. The joint space is not real big. Mm -hmm. um, the last two I've done, I've gone, I've gone through the patellar tendon. Um, oh, just direct, direct anterior posterior. Correct. And it slides right in the joint. It's absolutely. So you're, you flexing, so you're flexing it a little bit and then going right in, much like they yep. do with people. Pretty much. But I, well, I didn't know they did that in people, but I know when I got to school, we did medial and lateral imprecation, and we actually went through the patellar tendon. That was uh, in Tiramati's old book. Uh -huh. That was kind of what you did, and it didn't really bother anything. So instead of hitting the bone or the cartilage with the needle, because that joint space is not real big, um, just go a little bit ventral to the patella, and palpate the patellar tendon and it just slide right in. Both of those dogs had a lot less post-operative discomfort. The other thing I'm doing is using extra strength Tylenol with good results for post-operative pain management on a, say, a 50, 60-pound dog, 500 milligrams twice a day. Good. had good results with that. No liver issues, huh? Do what? No, no liver issues. Shouldn't. I have not Even had any problems running running blood work before surgery. But you know, most people don't don't have to give but two or three doses, and then they're they're fine. That ice pack, we use ice pack for you know ten minutes, a couple times a day if they need it. Have Have any of them had cruciate or um, cartilage tears? Yep, probably half of them. There's a definite click and they have all done well. Wow. That doesn't mean that, but I, I did started doing this because of what Dr. Rosen said a couple of years ago. I think he had done like 34 cases over a four year period. And, you know, from the expense standpoint, the dog I'm doing tomorrow was told by another veterinarian that it needed to have a boarded surgeon and that nobody in our town would do, you know, knew how to do cruciates. And she actually talked to another client that had a 120 pound Labrador that I had just done. And she came in and I said, you know, if you, she was looking at $6,000 to have bilateral TPLO done. Well, for $2,500, she can get both knees done. Mm -hmm. So that's less the reason. And, you know, if it doesn't work, you can always do the surgery. I always tell people that, you know, it's, you're not going to get any worse off, but uh, every single one person that we've said, let's do this, they all do it. You know, you're just describing why insurance companies are beginning to line up and go, yeah, this is the, this is the reason why. They're, yep. It's $2,500 worth of 6000 to get both knees done. They're looking at the, they're looking at yep. dollars and cents. Well, the other reason, even back when I was doing that extra capital repair, 
it was, you know, about $2,000 with everything, but that was just one knee. And with this one, and I did have one, I did a, it had had a previous PPLO four years ago, and all of those end up with, I don't care what surgery you do, they're going to end up with arthritis. Absolutely. Absolutely. He told me after about a month, I think it was, that the dog was better then than it was before it ever had the original cruciate problem and i injected both knees and lo and behold about two weeks after that she came in and the dog was holding up the other leg and she was in a panic and it was a definite acl rupture and i said just hang loose and two weeks later the dog was coming in with no lameness at all and then i'm gonna say that was about three months ago and we saw her two or three weeks ago and the dog's acting like nothing ever happened <laughs> So I would encourage you to inject both knees if you do one. Go ahead and do both knees. And follow and do the rehab. The rehab is an important part of this as well. That's absolutely. And the other thing is take a video before and after you can Absolutely. Show Thank you. You client what a dog looked like before and now that this is what they look like two months, three months down the road and that speaks volumes. Send those uh Send those videos to us here at Medivac. Yeah, uh, Dr. Bird just shared with me a minute ago, Dylan, we'll get Matt to update, but his case, Maggie, the uh, pet owner, just sent a, another update earlier today. And it's it's just unreal, really, what, what that dog has done over the last six months to a year. Yep, that's why, that's why I'm saying it's going to be standard of care before too awful long. The insurance companies will push it to standard of care. You watch. Dr. Schneider, um, is it possible for you to put together a, a list of the uh, conditions that have been treated and the success rate? Boy, I think I don't have, I think Josh, Josh and Dylan might have a, a better handle on that as far as uh, what they've seen. I can. Yeah, yeah, we do. I believe we do have a document. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure exactly how dated that document is, um, but I'll, I'll look for it tomorrow and and I can get it over to you if, if if I can find it. But I do believe we have some sort of document uh, that that will speak to the to the efficacy of everything. Yeah, it might be yeah, a good I, idea. Sure. Might be a good idea to update that, Dylan. If we yeah, for sure. If we can to to bring it up. I mean, there's. Gosh, how many years ago? It, this has just been really the the cruciate tears have just been what the past year that have really been increasing in people using it. Yeah, I just a lot of things I'd like to be doing it, but, but I I don't know the success rate, so it's hard to tell the people. You know, right now, talking to people like like Dr. Bird and uh, no, not me, everything else. Oh, everything else. Yep, yeah, it's it's uh it's I hate to say crazy, but it's it's really uh, if Ann England, when Ann England comes on and everything she's using it on, on cats and dogs, and it's, it's wild. That's why I, I'm so excited about getting on, on, on these, on these webinars. I learn as much as, as I could ever tell anybody else, just talking to you all. I really appreciate the, all of the, the discussion back and forth. This is, uh, this is very exciting stuff. On the biologicals, I'll just throw in, I have done two of them. One did 100% success on a mast cell inside an elbow. And the other one was a, a perianal tumor that involved the anal sphincter. Oh, and okay. it, that one didn't result. 
but we got about six months out of that dog. That's better so, than it would have been. Yeah, it, it stopped it from growing to a point, you know, and then it, then it took off. But yeah. Yeah. anyway, that's what you have done with that. Very good. Well, lots of luck on your lots of luck on your PRP dog. Sounds yeah. Sounds <laughs> let exciting. Me get, let me get near him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I hear you. All right. Thank you. Well, that's all. That's well, all Dylan? the. Uh, yeah, yeah. After after that, that's all the that's all the time we have left for tonight. Thank you uh, very much to everybody that tuned in. Thank you, uh, Dr. Snyder, Doctor Doctor Bird, Doctor Genoa, for your contributions. Absolutely, those are all that makes the time go so fast, and you learn so much. I really appreciate everybody getting in and on. That's great. And I'm really looking you. forward to being on these with you guys going forward. And don't forget to tune into the podcast on iTunes. It's Medi Vet Roundtable. Be sure and be sure and remind me, Dylan. Yes, you will all be receiving an email. Yeah, Josh has to. Josh is very good about sending me reminders, so I can <laughs> stay current on my technological device. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> well, hey, thanks everybody. To everybody. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Talk thanks to everybody so next month. Thanks. Okay, thanks. Hey everyone, thanks for listening in to MediVet Roundtable. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button to keep up to date on all of our latest content. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MediVet Biologics. And for more testimonials or information, visit our Facebook page or go to MediVetBiologics.com.